place like home. Take me home, homeward bound. I'm going home. God bless us, everyone. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Family Road Trip Podcast Winter Wonderland Edition. I'll be home for Christmas. Wax on, wax off. Inconceivable. You never know what you're going to get. We're on a mission from God. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our awesome and courageous, way cool couples. Steph, why are they heroic? So they have committed to um, once a week meeting with their family, a set Mm -hmm. time to do the Livet Gathering Guide together, which can be found at presentsforchristmas.com. Awesome. So as a way to encourage you wonderful people who are along the road trip with us into the heart of Christ Mass, we have a free Chick-fil-A family challenge for you. Awesome. That's right. Um, We will have, at the end of this program, posted the eight trivia questions corresponding to tonight. And if you get them right, you get entered into a chance to win free Chick-fil-A for the family. So, did it last week for last week's episode one. So, question one was, what are Stephanie's two most memorable Christmas presents from childhood? And I was tempted to say chainsaw and assault rifle because it's just your personality. You had nine brothers and just, you know, you're... But we're going to go through these quickly. Yeah, we are. Right. We so what what did you say, Stephanie? Uh, Pringles and a baby doll. Awesome. Question two. How many personal saints do the Finleys have in heaven? And of course, we're referring to the beautiful testimony of the Finleys sharing the number of miscarriages who are eternal souls to really call upon those maybe brothers or sisters, aunts or uncles, but you parents who've suffered through the tragedy of a loss, Stephanie and I have also, know that they are in heaven. The Finleys, amazing, have 13 personal saints in heaven. Question three, which version of the Christmas carol does the God bless us everyone come from? God bless us everyone. My favorite, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yep, the best. Question four, what is one way Teresa Grodi wants to grow in this seven-week adventure? Now, I would have guessed Fortnite level. She strikes me (laughs) as a gamer. Anyways, what what was the answer? Tenderness. With a little love and some tenderness We'll walk upon the water We'll rise above the mist. Which, folks, go back and listen to that. It was all beautiful. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, for many reasons to go and listen to it, but that part in particular. Pregunta Cinco, going bilingual here. Whom does Mike Waskovich hope will take care of him when he's old? I can tell you it was not Jack Kevorkian. I thought it was funny. You did not, not funny. want me to put that in there. Not funny. Um, but who, Steph? His five beautiful daughters. Yep. Number six, which song recurs throughout the episode? Steph, did you even know that? Would you have gotten that one right? I would, because I really like the, well, I would have seen the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Okay. Which is kind of a theme throughout this whole series. You will hear that again and again. Unfortunately, your chance at getting that question correct was solitary. That was last week. But that's why you're listening closely to this week's, because you want this Chick-fil-A for your family. What is the color, Steph, of the Blazik's new home, which we should know because it shines brightly through the thick woods that are behind (laughs) us? It is seen from the satellites along with the Great Wall of China. It is a beautiful canary yellow. 
which I actually added canary yellow. I hopefully, hopefully they're not offended by that, but it's good. It's a good color. It's a great color. And finally, we actually made them do a little work besides just listening to the episode. We directed them to the family gathering guide, and we asked the question, what is your answer to question 13 of the Live It Gathering Guide? And there's a link there, so you can go there and see. And the question is basically, what do you like most about your home? And, of course, we had various answers for that if people had gone. So, folks, we had a number of close contenders. We are so grateful for all of you who did answer the questions. But ding, 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 we do have a winner. And uh, everybody put your hands together for the wonderful Pat Fry out of Huron, Ohio. What does she win, Steph? She wins Chick-fil-A for her fam. So good to have you all here with us tonight, along with us on the Family Road Trip Podcast. And we're going to begin tonight, the second stop of our seven-week journey, by just asking a fun question of each of our wonderful sojourners. And so beginning with the Waskoviches, each of you get to answer the question, what's a favorite movie that has had an impact on your life and why? Well, the movie I... I came up with was last holiday with Queen Latifah. She got this uh, diagnosis that she had a brain virus, and um, instead of being depressed or anything, she she out her dreams. She went. She had saved a lot of money. She, she became like her true self, and she wasn't afraid. And she was very honest. And uh, she ended up by being so honest and, and nice about it changing a lot of bad people that were around her. She's phenomenal. I think Queen Latifah is very gifted. I don't even know who Queen Latifah is. I've heard the name. You if you saw her. (laughs) You just like to say the name, but it's not as cool. Who gets the name? Is that like her real name? Like she was named Queen? Like her baptismal certificate (laughs) says Queen? And the cool name is not quite as cool as Waskovich. That's true. I'll take it. Queen Waskovich. You are like the Queen Waskovich. That's true. Queen Janine. Queen Queen Janine! Yes! (laughs) Okay, Mike, you better jump in quickly. I'm just saying. What is your movie, uh, Michael? All right. So it was a very predictable. I actually asked the kids, hey, what do you think my favorite movie is? Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! And everyone, without hesitation, said, Braveheart. Great military battles. The Dutch Brogue is amazing. Probably I've watched it 150 times. <laughs> I can quote that movie. It's needful to say a line, and I, I always follow it. The best part of the movie, though, is here he's a, a humble person. He could have taken on knighthood. He could have been given land and title. He threw all that away for something for something more. It's awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. Good choices. Blazix. So mine, um, I wouldn't say that it's had an impact on my life as to where it's these movies that you always talk about or think about, Mm -hmm. but it's more of a family memory that I will always cherish, but it is the movie While You Were Sleeping. And because that is the movie that my sisters, my mom, and my um, grandma, we call her Gigi, would try and watch every winter and since losing her this summer it's just one of those movies that i'll always just cherish those memories even though it's not i mean it's just kind of one of those chick flick movies but it will be something that we'll always have together for memories with us drew are you playing with the rattlesnake again 
He's doing the dishes, which don't let do not. Oh, I will not stop, stop that. I will dishes. not impede that. We're keeping it real here. Sorry, that's I was right. I was getting some water. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome, Jesse. That's very moving, and to have that connection and that memory, and to be able to share that together for years to come is a real gift. Drew, just like Mike, my favorite movie is Braveheart. So I've watched it. Uh, it's got to be close to 20 times, and <laughs> yes. I try to watch it with somebody that hasn't seen it. And every time I watch it with someone that hasn't seen it, it feels like a first time. Yeah. And uh, you know, I would say every ever since I was young, it was just that 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 scene when all uh, William Wallace wanted to do is raise a family, and his uh, uh, people came to him, asked him to show up to uh, show someone of an army against English, and then he didn't want to do it, and then. He was pushed to fight and just that that feeling that you're willing to uh, sacrifice and give up something that you want because you know it's it's something greater than you and I would always that's why I just love about the movie every man dies not every man really lives Finley's favorite movies and how they have impacted you when I was thinking through this I was trying to find a movie that actually that like really impacted me and uh, I ended up with uh, to Helen back the Audie Murphy story, hmm. and that was, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him, no. but he was, a, he was a World War II hero, um, and wow. he was the eldest of a large family, and he was kind of the head of the household. Um, his father left uh, the family at a young age. But anyways, World War II breaks out, he enlists, he's a small guy, you know, he kind of gets, you know, rejected a few times, but gets in. And then uh, ends up being one of the most decorated soldiers of World War II. Wow. And, uh, but then he has a, a tremendous difficulty with PTSD afterwards. Mm. But um, anyway, so it, as a child, when I was growing up, I loved to watch war movies with my dad. And uh, it was, you know, probably like 9, 10, or 11 in that range. We were watching it, and it dawned on me, like, wow, a lot of guys that go to war don't come back. And, mm. you know, that could be me. And so it was like a, a sense of my first sense of my mortality, I mm -hmm. guess. And that kind of stayed with me as I uh, grew up from that point. That's powerful. And of course, very Christic at a young age to think about sacrificing self for the good of other and the occasion for which we celebrated yesterday. And let's just say this whole week and hopefully in our lives of thanking those who've given, paid the ultimate price and you know, like Saving Private Ryan, we who've inherited that great inheritance, are we making it worth it with our lives? It's a challenge we all ought to have, but th thanks so much, Steve. Lorna. Okay, so for me, um, my movie is Nacho Libre. Anyways, I was wondering if you would like to join me in my quarters this night for some toast. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it is. It is, but the reasoning behind it is... Um, is the humor. Um, when that movie came out, um, I was struggling, well it was on DVD, and I was struggling hard with grief and having a, just a hard time, and I remember um, reluctantly um, joining the family to watch the movie. I don't know, I remember um, I might have actually been in the process of miscarrying, so it was Harder than even the aftermath. And it was just one of those movies that it was ridiculous and it made me laugh. There is no flavor. There are no spices. Where are the chips? Somebody stole them. Did you not tell them that they were the Lord's chips? 
and I really needed that laughter um, in that time. And that's one of the things that is is the most healing thing mm-hmm. is is just to be able to laugh. Chancho, when you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. It's for fun. Has Steve found in his stocking or under the tree yet, though, the gift of tights and a cape? <laughs> You don't have well, to answer he, that question. Steve, cover cover your ears. I want to see Steve get that he gift. Does, and I want to see I want to see a picture. Boys. No, I don't want to see a picture. Erase. Erase. He'll knock on the boys' door and say, "Boys, I want to borrow your sweats." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Finleys. Grown eyes. Okay, well, I'm going to cheat and say four movies, but there's a specific reason why. There's a you specific got reason it. Why. There's a theme it's, that is woven through. Yeah, them. well, it's because it's so my my dad and my my grandmother uh, were big movie people. My, my grandma had lots a big collection of movies at her house, and I grew up. I was homeschooled, and so I spent a lot of time kind of soaking up the culture of my parents and my grandparents, their music, their movies. I was really into old movies and musicals and things when I was a kid. Hmm. But there, there are four movies that I want to mention because in my mind, I got them all confused. I could re- never remember which was which when I was a young boy because they all had heroic manly priests. Mm. Um, cool. One is Keys to the Kingdom mm-hmm. uh, starring Gregory Peck. Yeah. Another one was Scarlet in the Black starring Gregory starring Peck, Gregory Peck <laughs> as the priest. Yes. Another one was Boys Town starring Spencer Tracy yes. as the priest. And the fourth one was called The Hoodlum Priest, and I don't remember who played the priest in that one. Huh, I don't know that but, one. But I, I watched them all when I was a younger a younger boy, before I could really knew the actors and really you know, could, could conceptualize where these movies were coming from. But at, at that period in Hollywood, when you portrayed a Catholic priest, they were manly, strong, mm-hmm. virtuous, impressive men. Yep. Yes. And so... These, these collection of these manly priests in these movies impressed themselves on me. And in my mind, there was just like those priest movies. And I can never remember what they were called. And I, could ne- I couldn't tell them apart because I kept forgetting which was which. But I remember watching them over and over and going back to them uh, because I was impressed as a young man with that's, those Catholic priests. That's it. awesome. Love and it. would your dear brother, Petra, otherwise known as Kefa, otherwise known as Peter, the deacon now, uh, would otherwise he, known as the little tiny rock. There, you're right. Would he? Um, <laughs> would he have been? Uh, would he have been similarly influenced? Would he attribute some of his uh, formation somewhat to the great examples in those movies? Do you think? I'd have to ask him, but I'm I'm sure that it's there somewhere because we we watched all those all those movies together as kids, and we we watched them over and over. You know, we yes. we really got into these these older movies. Um, yeah, Love awesome, it. so good. Some of my favorites, also John Mark. Teresa, the movie that first came to my head was also While You Were Sleeping. Ah. <laughs> uh, actually, it's funny. Um, I chose my confirmation saint because it was the main character's name in the movie, hmm. Lucy. And that's how religious I was at that point going to Catholic <laughs> school. <laughs> I liked the story of St. Agnes, but I didn't want Agnes as my middle name. And so I chose Lucy, who had a similar name. And later on in my life, I promised the name Lucy to my firstborn daughter. Mm. Um, and so now, not only is my confirmation St. Lucy, but my 
second daughter's name is Lucy because of while you were sleeping. That's awesome. wonderful. First daughter, second daughter. Sorry, first daughter, second daughter. <laughs> first daughter, second daughter. You're taking that invitation to have that glass of wine during the Family Road Trip podcast. I Seriously, aren't you? That's, that's good. awesome. That, that makes my heart so happy. That, that's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> Folks, we encourage you to join us every Tuesday night and Saturday at 2 for this Family Road Trip podcast. We had the first round here with our four sojourners on this journey and the second stop, each sharing a movie. I invite you to think about what might be a movie that has impacted your lives. Talk about it. Uh, with your spouse or with your children. Or what um, four movies. Exactly, or what four <laughs> movies and what the theme is that traces them. Yes. No, but Pope St. John Paul II, of course, had a profound love for drama. He was an actor himself, rhapsodic theater. And he understood that all of life, in a sense, is an ultimate drama, participation in the Trinity. Uh, and each of us are not just spectators sitting in a seat, but we're participants in an ultimate drama of life, death, resurrection, and Pentecost. It's interesting to think about that, that right now, now, the ordinary circumstances that we may think are inconsequential are custom designed, God designed for deeper intimacy with him. So let's face it, it's not all smooth going the way we'd like it to be, but what would a movie be if it was all smooth going, if there weren't the challenges, the edginess, if we didn't go through sort of a, um, a cauldron, a fire, a challenge that makes us stronger coming out on the other side, knowing our identity better and uh, flowing from that flowing our mission. So let's pray about that and think about that, especially during this adventure, this ad- Advent season. It's sort of a custom episode for us to anticipate Christ's coming again um, in the eschatological grand scheme of things while celebrating that he is with us. And on that note, just a quick commercial, go to presentsforchristmas.com, those of you who are in the Toledo region, because we're going have phenomenal the three Wednesdays prior to Christmas at St. Joan of Arc 6 30 p.m. Phenomenal evenings of witness, word, worship, and confession. 6 30 p.m. St. Joan of Arc. And uh, I connect this to the drama thing because many of us maybe have lost the sense of wonder in our sense, our place in that wonder, our place in that story. Brothers and sisters, you, if you're breathing, it's the greatest testimony to God's profound love for you. And we simply, Mass Impact, as brothers and sisters in Christ, in this Catholic faith, want to awaken more fully to our role in this ultimate drama. So join us in that great adventure, presentsforchristmas.com. We're on a mission from God. So I know you guys did some practice rounds of the Live It Gathering Guide with your family. Last week we talked about some of the obstacles that might stand in the way. And in earnest, you dove in this past week in general. How did it go? Beginning with the Waskoviches. I have to admit, it's getting better. It's getting better. I think it went really great. Um, the kids are really listening and answering questions, and they all want to participate. Awesome. So. I'm very happy with that. Our second oldest actually joined via FaceTime. Oh, oh fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. From North yeah. Carolina, the college right. student. You got one up on us because I've wanted to set this up for our those who are not leftovers, as my, my dad fondly refers to the younger three versus the older three. He calls them leftovers. And Steph was initially miffed, but they, they actually like that phraseology. So I call them leftovers. But we've wanted to connect with the older three and do this and just haven't been able to pull it off. So you guys, you know, you got mega kudos, mega dittos from the Schleters here for pulling off at least one of those guys. That's great. 
share with us, each of you, one blessing that is evident that came from your Live It gathering. Well, I would say during the middle of the week, we usually do our gathering on Saturday just because of my husband's home. You know, during the chaos, fighting. Braveheart. (laughs) Are we really living it? Like, guys, you know, what do you, are you thinking about what you're going to say on Saturday? Like, makes us think about it, you know, gave us a pregnant pause and and things changed. Mm -hmm. So just a context of accountability. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's very cool. Michael. Yeah, I would say that I can tell. Uh, in my uh, son, he's, uh, what, 14, a uh, freshman in high school. He's maturing here in the last couple weeks, and some of it has to do with his younger sisters. Uh, Natalie, who is 11, uh, they're looking at each other in the eyes, and they're talking and listening to each mm. other. When one is apologizing or one is saying, hey, I really think he did such a great job with that, I feel like they're intentionally thinking about it throughout the week because when it comes to our gathering they want to have some fun and and enjoyable things to say about each other so i just see a maturing in pretty immature people So, folks, you are out there listening with the witness of the Waskoviches here with a brood. Eight children? I don't like that I forget. word. So I'm going to correct that yes. brood. What's wrong with brood? It's it just has a negative connotation. Does it really? Yes. Okay, I strike brood with a great herd. Uh. No, not herd. You're looking at me. <laughs> a wonderful clan. Clan's okay. We'll, we'll stick with... A, How about a what? A gaggle. Gaggle. A gaggle. <laughs> I like that. That works too. We're, we're all good with that, folks. Just keeping it real, keeping it alive, and hopefully you out there in your homes are doing the same because that defines this journey that we have. Come together. Very moved by Pope Benedict's trilogy, Jesus of Nazareth. And the heart of that three-part series, which of course is unveiling in a beautiful way the Gospels as Christ intended. Not how we want to imagine they should be to fit our own needs, but what did Christ intend? That's Benedict's project, Jesus of Nazareth. And the heart of that is simply this. The heart of ritual and religion is relationship. And that's what you hear the Waskoviches speaking about, that they're opening the door among their kids who may be familiar with the ritual and the religion and have done many good things before, but together we're being given permission to say, well, what is the relational heart of this with one another, God alive in one another, and certainly with God? So I thank you both for that fabulous testimony. And I love that it's in the ordinary. Too often we get caught up in these big moments or conference or youth group event or this, that, or the other thing, but just in the ordinary daily grind, and that's where it counts. And when we're able to give that to our kids, what a grace and gift and in a uh, true, truly taking our parental role, forming souls seriously. Blazik, share with us, uh, how did it go, first of all? I would say uh, first uh, that we were kind of offended by the yellow comment of our house <laughs> made earlier. I'll send I was, you a I box of tissues. It, it triggered <laughs> we, me, so. We need to just clarify that we bought it this way we did not choose the color i like the color i love that we can see it through the woods now that the leaves are gone too it's great you're making your mark Uh, on the world yeah we we planned it out we we told him um it was on saturday that we did it but christian he's or uh, cole he's four years old he really wanted to participate uh um he sat down really good and then and then uh brayden he was the tough one 
uh, right away when he knew we were doing something that was different. He's like, no, I don't want to do it. And he kind of walked off and got upset. We, we didn't want to get upset or show emotion about it. And we just kind of kept on doing it, asking questions. And he would kind of pop his head back in, see what we're doing. He'd go, oh, I don't want to do this and go back out again. <laughs> During the time, Cole, he was he was answering the questions, and I think I think some of the questions he was uh, answering kind of opened up uh, Avery to uh, do it, and then he just had really sweet answers to uh, who to pray for, who what he's going to work on this week, and then um, halfway through, maybe a little over half, Braden kind of came around, kind <laughs> of came in there again, and then all of a sudden he like changed and just wanted to participate, ask the questions, then he was like, oh, I'll choose number thirteen or ten. And he wanted to do more, so it, it was, you know, I kind of expected that, uh, uh, you know, first time I think, sure. especially with Braden, it's kind of a tough one. Well, and God bless you guys for just hanging in there in that perseverance. I respect the strategy too. It's a style, and God equipped you, appointed you, and anointed you as parents to know what would work. I'm probably more of the expectation, make him do it kind of thing in general. But I think the fact that you um, were attuned that, to his heart and that you knew he was going to be drawn eventually. You know, it's, that's good advice for, I think, all parents out there to maybe consider, you know, how they might engage their kids, that they just create that center. They're going to want to be part of the family and where they're at. Right. And, and how really many neat. how many would have given up at the beginning, you know, and you guys, again, hung in there. And who knows the, the soil that was, you know, tilled a little bit for next time or for a conversation that would come throughout the week or whatever. So kudos to you guys. What was an unexpected blessing from this gathering? I think that it was seeing Cole really open up. And so we haven't had a lot of time throughout the week since we just did ours on Saturday. So I'm just kind of referring to our, like, during the gathering itself. Mm-hmm. And to see to where he's, like, when we try and do a rosary with the family, he's kind of our squirrely one that will get up <laughs> and move over word. here and do this and just kind of flip over couches and so to see him really sit and be focused and want to um, really give heartfelt answers was very cool to see from him. That's, That's awesome. Great. Drew? I, I saw it in Braden's face. Braden's the one that, um, of our kids, probably gets in trouble the most. And, and he, he'd be the one that we can lose our temper more towards him. So it felt good that um, uh, I got to apologize to him in front of the other kids, mm. saying, you know what, I'll make sure I don't lose my temper or get mad or, you know, be better discipline. But I've done it before with him. It kind of, I think it was one out one uh, in one ear out the other. But I think this time doing it in front of other people, I saw his face and I saw it kind of like trying not to smile, kind of a uh, funny look, yes. like trying to hold it in. Yeah. I love yeah. that look. Yeah, yeah. it's a great look. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of good. Just, do, just doing it in front of the other kids. And I think, and the other blessings, like what Jesse said, is just hearing Cole talk about, different stuff and he wanted to help and uh, think about his friends and I think that really opened up Braden and Avery to start talking like that too. Blazik's awesome testimony and just uh, thank you for the witness of that. Findley's share with us how did it go with you guys week one? You know it's kind of like the best laid plans of mice and men right? (laughs) Can't Um, wait for this. (laughs) You know we started with just the general questions and we did uh, some of the family Q&A stuff and that was nice for the kids there was uh some anxiety with the little ones that they wanted to get through this quick this week because they wanted to have a movie night Uh and 
sometimes when we get going with the lit guide, we can, you know, go on for two, three hours. Did the apologies? There was some good, good fruit there. So, what what is a story that may have particularly touched either of you or both of you from this lit gathering? So, when we started, uh, things weren't the most peaceful. One of our children <laughs> was fighting <laughs> with another child, and um, there was just drama and. You know, I was getting tired, <laughs> and uh, Emma was um, playing with a toy, and so we okay with it. But then when we went to actually begin in prayer, of course, she should not be playing during that prayer. And my reaction was just to grab it, grab it from her, because I got so frustrated, and I was like, "Oh, oh, geez!" And of course, she's such a sweet, dear heart that she was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know, like everybody's I'm so wrong," and so. You know, those apologies, I mean, of course, instantly I, I told her I was sorry and I consoled her and Michael just thought it was a riot because, you know, he tried it's to always tell fun you. to see, right? to see me. Yeah, but uh, exactly. I told you she shouldn't right, have it. Right. But, um, but anyway, so, but then it was a great opportunity with the apologies to, and it was endearing because of, because I didn't expect it, but Michael actually said he was sorry oh. to, you know, and, um, and, and uh, I, um, of course, had the opportunity to, again, you know, point out that I have my faults. There, there they are for you all to right, see. Right. And I have the fruit of um, this experience with us, the times that we've done it, is always, you know, I, I knew when it happened, I was like, I, I know this is, is going to be a good thing that we're doing this because we will, this, this, this is needed, you know, that even though it's hard to sit down and everybody's bickering and stuff that's just part of family yeah. and 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 stuff but it, it was beautiful and apologizing so. always makes you stronger so oh I, yeah thank you for that witness and fosters that vulnerability so great witness keep me searching for a heart of gold and i'm getting old steve emma our little one is very shy and so a lot of times when she shares while we're doing the lit group is you know she'll whisper in Lorna's ear and then Lorna will relay you know what Emma is sharing with us um, and this time she actually as we were doing the apologies she verbalized herself aloud to everybody that I'm sorry and so that was, I mean, it was small, but it was kind of a really big step for her. Wow, heartwarming. Right. And as you yeah. said, Steve, last week you wanted to see her help her find her voice and had hoped that she would maybe graduate from speaking in your ear to a comfort level of being part of the community and heard and listened to. And the fact that that step was made, that for those who listened last week, that's, that's a significant step. So that's beautiful. I've been a minor for a heart. So Grodai's a little overview from your week one of the Family Road Trip podcast. Well, so like Denmark said last week, we kind of cheated and started doing this a couple weeks early. Um, so this was probably week three. <laughs> this is probably week three for us. Um, and so the kids knew what we were doing. And this week, because we held off dessert until after, they were like, oh. <laughs> so maybe next week we'll do dessert 
first so they're not yeah, right. whining about how long it's taking <laughs> right right um no it went really well and everybody um we asked this week what they liked the most and they said the questions of course they love answering the questions that's, that's so cool um and the apologies and the apologies they love the apologies um they love the apologies and they remind us throughout the week what we need to remember <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's great night. that's, that's great. sweet Wonderful. No, it went wonderful. Great. Praise God. So what would be an unexpected blessing from each of you um, during your time together? At a different meal, I think a, a night or two later after the discussion this week, um, I think Teresa had had to leave the dinner to go nurse. And so I was there with all the kids and they were getting crazy and goofy as they always do. And so I had Dominic grab the, the questions that are up in our little shrine area. Mm. And we just started doing a few. And again, the, for the first few weeks, we'd had the little girls, um, you know, go play a little bit so that we kind of, you know, on, on ramp the older kids and get mm-hmm. them accustomed to it. But we had both little girls there with, at the table. And so uh, we were including them in it. And one, uh, Cecilia, so she's the... She's the third child, right? She's, a, yeah. she's the third oldest. <laughs> she she's very verbal, and so she she got very into it, and that was that was cool. The next one down, Philomena, is just barely starting to talk yet. It's just individual words and then a whole lot of babbling. So if we had a kind of a fun time getting around the circle and getting to her and asking her the question, even though I don't really think she gets it, and then just to have her babble about it and that's great. only the angels know what she's actually saying that's but. right how beautiful is that that's awesome so that was that was cool and then because we did that with the younger girls then this evening um cecilia the, the, the again the third oldest uh kept asking me if we could do the discussion night and that it was funny because i i had Cute. we were doing a cleaning night and i told her oh well maybe that's a great idea and then the rest of the night she's saying, no, daddy said we were going to do the discussion. Daddy said we would do it. Oh, it's so heartwarming. That's awesome. Teresa. So this week, John Mark picked a question that was like, what is your saddest moment? And we went around the table and hmm. I went last. And I had, um, I've been really blessed that my grandparents have all had really happy deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, the people I know have had happy deaths. So I didn't really have anything associated with death, which you would imagine. Um, But I had been engaged before and the breakup was really, really difficult. And that's really what I remember as like the saddest experience I've had. Um, And the kids were like, you know, the kids were confused. And then they were like, whoa, if you had married somebody else, then we would live in a different house in a different city. (laughs) We wouldn't be nearly as cool as we are now. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I was like, I was like, no, you wouldn't exist. And the kids were like, Dominic, he wow. couldn't even speak. If only you knew the sunlight shines a little brighter, the weight of the world's a little lighter, the stars lean in a little closer, all because of you. He got up and he just like gave me the biggest hug. Aww. And he was like, I'm so glad you married daddy. And it was it was something I didn't expect. I mean, I answered honestly. I could have given them a different answer, but I answered really honestly. And... Speak your mind a little louder, cause you are They were just, I mean, they were blown away by this reality. This is your kingdom, this is your crown, this is your story. And this is your moment, don't look down. You know, like our family is something super special. That... You're ready. 
profound. I hope I didn't uh, traumatize them. <laughs> no, what, what, a, what, a, what a phenomenal way, though, to, in, in kid form, to introduce the uniqueness um, of their nature, a custom designed by God, and how we participate with that, those ideas that, you know, we can understand in theology, but just you've made it very real for them. And for any of you listeners out there, I mean, we are now joined in sort of that, ho- hopefully a wonder that God purposefully made us and fashioned us and that you're listening right now for a reason and a purpose in this very moment. And that as we're in this journey together, God wants to all the more uh, be known and wants to know us. I mean, I know that's the whole purpose of family, that we more fully encounter him through one another. So that was awesome. Folks, you're with us in the Family Road Trip podcast. This is the third season, the second stop in the season of Advent. So we call it an adventure into the heart of Christ's Mass. And we do encourage you just to receive the gift. Receive the gift. You know, life is busy. We all have uh, demands. And, and the season, unfortunately, seems to conspire to rob us. But sometimes it takes ritual. We do it with work to structure success. We do it with sports. We ritualize these things based upon an end in mind, a vision. And how often do we, you know, experience the end in mind of family, these homes that God has called us to? Do we, you know, experience him so, so fully alive in understanding one another? Well, that's what this is really all about. If you go to presenceforchristmas.com, Check out this family gathering guide. Check out the simple one-pager. begins with simple family fun questions. There are daily questions. Of course, there's invitation to apologize for things, which, as you've heard tonight, great testimony of how that gets the debris out of the way to more fully encounter one another. You get the mass readings. So really, it's the ultimate um, retreat that God designed for us in liturgy to uh, impact us and to express his love and to carve out that road to eternal life together. So we do encourage you to join us in this um, Family Road Trip podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for being with us. God bless you. God bless us, everyone. You were just listening to the second episode of the Family Road Trip Podcast, Season 3. We invite you to join us at presentsforchristmas.com. And right now, if you've been paying close attention and you'd like to have some free Chick-fil-A for your whole family, who doesn't love Chick-fil-A? Go right now again to presentsforchristmas.com. See the little red tab. If you answer the eight questions right, you will be entered into a chance to win free Chick-fil-A for your family. How awesome is that? And right now we're going to resume our awesome interview that was begun last week on the subject of spiritual warfare with our wonderful guest, Dr. Paul Thigpen. The stage was set last week. If you want to hear that interview, you can go to igniteradiolive.com and listen to roughly, I'm going to say, 40 minutes into the episode is where we begin part one. And right now we resume this awesome interview with part two on spiritual warfare with our guest, Dr. Paul Thigpen. What is in your heart that you wish everyone, Catholic or non-Catholic, would understand of the importance of your study and research here? Sure, yes. One question people often ask is that, so why would you write about this? Why would you 
why would God even give visions like this to people? What's what's the point? Isn't someone asked me the other day, isn't the world already so dark? We don't need another mm. book about the darkness and that kind of thing. And and I think that you know the answer to that question lies within these visions and the testimony of the people who had them. That you seem to have several kind of reasons where why God allowed it. And the first, of course, is to, and I think especially important for our culture, is that we have minimized the notion of sin so much. Mm. There was a psychologist some years ago even, you know, raised the title of the book, something like Whatever Happened to Sin. This notion that, well, I don't want to talk about it. It's just a mistake or misunderstanding or that kind of thing. Mm But uh, we seem to have lost uh, a sense many times of the ultimate horror of sin, of uh, what it is to reject God, to reject his will, what it is to turn our back on him, what it is to um, so many of the things going on that, that, you know, in our culture that we see that are, they, they really are doing serious damage to ourselves and to others. And we seem to have lost the, the sense of weightiness and of where these things lead so that a, a vision of hell is one thing, one way to you know kind of overcome that. We're able to get a glimpse of, oh my goodness, that's this really is serious stuff. Mm-hmm. It, what we do matters. The, the, the choices we make, they matter every day. We're on our way down this road or down that one. That's one thing. And then, uh, so you know, second, then that or the corollary of that is that it, it makes us want to think more and more about, okay, where do I need to to be purified? Where, mm-hmm. uh, if I hope to be with him in heaven, First John says that to have that hope of seeing him face to face helps us to purify ourselves as he is pure. So that's that's part of what happens when we start wanting to intentionally choose in heaven instead of the alternative. But at the same time, uh, there many of these visions they were given because the person who came back it was something like a near death experience, came back from seeing it and said, "Wow, I'm going to change my life right now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. What a and gift! What a mercy! Yeah, but then others, they came back and told others what they saw, and it became a warning to them. Uh, so that was another good thing. But what am I, someone asked me the other day, of, of these saints in this book, what's my favorite, who's my favorite one? And it's little Jacinta, St. Jacinta, mm. who was one of the children at Fatima. Right. When she saw that vision of hell, <clears throat> what she, you know, the, what she took away from it was Our Lady saying she showed her the vision and then said, pray, pray and make sacrifices for those sinners who are on their way there if something doesn't change. And so the rest of her short life, you know, she died in the epidemic, a flu epidemic not long after the visions, but the rest of her short life she spent making everyday big and little sacrifices mm. and praying for the salvation of those who are on their way to hell if they didn't change. And that's an important thing for us as well. Powerful. Love, Jacinta. Um, two questions, perhaps, on the different spectrums. One would be, Paul, what words of wisdom would you offer to priests who sometimes struggle walking that fine line between the stereotypical, I think unfair, um, fire and brimstone uh, outlook on sin and hell and the opposite end, very lackadaisical um, don't want to offend anybody, you know, mm-hmm. people are good, God is merciful. Uh, what do you see in your experience in regards to any advice? And I know many priests who are so open to that guidance. Mm-hmm. So first, I guess that I'll save the second question for after you answer that, but what would you say to those priests? Yeah, I think we just have to look back to our Lord Jesus uh, as our model in that regard, as in every regard, uh, his preaching. 
he he did not shy away from the topic. He did not. Uh, you know, he did not say, "Well, that'll upset somebody." Or right, mm-hmm. right. Um, I mean, he even uh, you know, on one occasion, he he says to the Pharisees, "You go and make converts who are twice as much a son of hell as you are." <laughs> yep. And another occasion, said, you, "You're like your father, the devil." You know. And so, I mean, occasionally he spoke that way. Now, whether he's talking to a big crowd or just a few individuals, hard to say. But he didn't shy away from it. But at the same time, he presented so beautifully, powerfully, the the mercy of God, the fatherhood of God, uh, what he's calling us to, that um, I think we just have to look at that and try to look at his balance. He, he, he spoke about hell certainly more than once, you know, a number of times. But nevertheless, it was always, always to press them to go beyond that fear to the love we were talking about. Mm-hmm. God father not a slave driver not a not a boss you know an employer he wants to be your friend and your father mm, beautiful um so you had mentioned jacinta saint is she's a saint now correct she was yes, okay yes. so saint jacinta um was she nine when our lady appeared to her i know she was i think that's about the age i'd, I'd have to check to to remember for sure but so she, I mean, was, she was they were shepherd children right. you know that she and Lucy and her brother they were all shepherd children and so after these visions of um lucia tells us later that she was talking about jacinta saint jacinta and how she would do things like they'd be out on a hot day you know, watching over the sheep and really thirsty day. And at the middle of the day, she would give up her water mm. that she had, you know, for herself to her sheep and say, Lord, this sacrifice is for the poor, for the sinners who are on their way. Right. <laughs> so beautiful. Praying for them. And She'd be there for hours on her knees mm. and, and then kind of come out as almost as if in a trance. And, and the other children would say, what are you doing? She said, well, pray for sinners, of course. <laughs> come on, people. So, which I think is um, part of the the struggle, challenge, whatever word one wants to use. We are such a people of comfort. And especially when it comes to our kids, right? You know, the idea of, yeah. for many people, not giving them what they want when they want it and things that seem seemingly um, not a big deal. And that whole notion of suffering and sacrifice, mm-hmm. I think, has been lost so much. But the reason I came back to St. Jacinta was, how do you recommend to families introducing this spiritual realm? Um, as Greg and I look back and how, so our oldest is 21, and it just the devil and angels and God's love and mercy. It's just, just our narrative. Right. Because we were both raised like that. But so many younger parents we are finding in our ministry, they're like, how do you bring up the devil to these little kids? We don't want to scare them. Um, well, so, they're driving by billboards on the street. Right. Uh, you know, showing <laughs> or zombies. The, and... Right. So I guess, um, like, how would you recommend to them step one in um, exposing them to a very good, healthy, holy reality of this spiritual realm that goes on. Well, you know, the whole notion of age appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to say things to, to a teenager you wouldn't say to an eight-year-old, and things sure. you'll say to an eight-year-old you wouldn't say to a preschooler. Um, but I think, 
you know, it, it always has to be in the context of, of God the Father and uh, of Jesus who loves us. That um, when they're small, to say, you know, and and uh, people can can choose to do the right thing or not. You know that yourself. And sometimes we do always do the right thing. And when people don't choose the right thing, it, it take can take them further away from God. And and bad things happen. And so we're we're helping you not to to do that, but especially if they run into things out in the world, but there are some people who have made some bad choices and, uh, and it's, it's taking them away from God. And it's so something that we don't want to imitate, but we also want to pray for them. And mm -hmm. it would take time during family prayer to pray for them. That would be, I think, you know, for the earliest, earliest ages that kids can understand. But these days, oh my goodness, the, uh, you know, the culture we're in, even if you're homeschooling, even if you're, mm -hmm. you know, don't have that TV on all the time, even if you're protecting your kids, they're going to run into this stuff. And what I find is often that's, unfortunately, that's the teachable moment. You try right. to protect them, then they say, mm -hmm. what does this mean? Right. <laughs> yep. Or what does the future mean? And then you have to say, okay, let's talk about that. You don't want to do it too soon, but it comes sooner than it did when I was a kid, that's for sure. It sure does. Uh, if we know 100 years ago, in private revelation, Mary had said, no, we're talking 100 years ago, more souls are going to hell for sins of the flesh than for any other sin. They didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have a liberal culture in society um, the way we have today, where 90% have already seen porn by the age 18, where the introductory level is age 11, and we know how that literally remaps the brain, also the soul, in the way, uh, fundamental ways that we're meant to be connected to God, our Creator, sexuality, this beautiful gift of imaging God and living in Him, how the enemy is going after that in these very direct forms. And um, I, I do think, folks who are listening out there, um, if you open those doors of conversation with your kids, Stephanie and I have led teams of young people for many years, and they come from many good Catholic families. And I think this is one of the key ways the enemy wants to work. He wants to keep us from authentically communicating about these matters or diminishing the content. But, you know, we have to communicate a truth we didn't create, but who created us. And that is something as sim simple, as clear and evident to us as impurity, visually or in any, th any other way, is grave matter. I mean, pornography is grave matter, which means with the, the other conditions of mortal sin, uh, it is an occasion to go to hell. And a majority, not even some or a few, a majority of those in high schools right now have full access to that. So not only in this world is it affecting the way they think and uh, Im impacting the way their relationships will play out with friends and marriages and that down the road, there's an eternal repercussion here. I don't know if that can be emphasized strongly enough uh, in, in a specific way such as that. God desires us, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to have pure hearts, to be transformed inwardly by the renewal of the Spirit. And this is the gift of the church, simply put, to come back to God with hunger, to come back to him, especially in the coming Advent season, to repent and see that he wants to restore, he wants to transform, he wants to revive us. On that note, I want to ask you, Paul, with your experience, do you see or how do you see? How do you see transformation taking place, emerging from the morass that we've experienced in the church and in the culture? Give us some signs of, of, of authentic repentance and the joy and delight that maybe you're experiencing with those who are taking hold of this invitation to know Christ more deeply. A lot of what didn't start out in my job description but has happened is, uh, you know, individuals coming to me. And mm. um, if they, you know, they feel they can trust me and so they begin to talk and I, uh, you know, learned, oh my goodness, so much about what they're 
caring, uh, mm. where they're coming from, the difficulties of their lives, their family situations, their, their childhoods, their um, you know, work situations. And I have seen, but just kind of sticking to it with them, uh, the, the, I guess the popular word these days is accompaniment, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to use a buzzword, but there's a truth there that uh, to start praying with them, to mm-hmm. start encouraging them to, um, without a heavy hand, just kind of saying, well, have you thought about this? And what about this? And to start trying to uncover by well-placed questions and comments, um, alternatives to what they could be doing and living now. And I am seeing lives change. That's awesome. Sometimes it's you know in the big groups, but but usually it's this one-on-one uh, walking along with someone, and uh, I just have a lot of hope for that. That the more people that can can do that, there's a role each of us can have. I, one of the things I write about in my manual for spiritual warfare is how when Saint Paul talks about the weapons of our warfare and the armor and that kind of thing, there's a part missing here. Your back's left unprotected. It's because they were taught as soldiers to be each other's. Mm. Your shield covered the back, and your sword covered the back of your comrade, and that's so important. That that's part. That's how our spiritual armor is too. Every one of us has some part of our back that's uncovered that we can't necessarily see, where we're vulnerable. We have got to act as soldiers in an army. We're comrades watching each other's backs. So I want to do a plug. I'm sure for I have no doubt that all of your books are wonderful. And I know you mentioned um, prior to this, you even have children's books. So we have Christmas coming up, listeners. What a beautiful way to... um, instill those truths through gift giving, right? But the the example that you just used from St. Paul, from the book, um, the Manual for Spiritual Warfare, our boys were so excited when they read that and they shared that with their friends and some different groupings that they have done and how powerful that Mm -hmm. was for them, especially as young men, right? Just that's a powerful image for us all, but there's something so beautifully right in the masculine world with that. So again, I encourage if you're looking for gifts, um, I know that our wonderful holy pastor very much promoted that specific book for his parish, for our parish, and has given that gift to Father Adam Hertzfeld. He deserves a shout out. Um, Paul, so blessed to have you tonight. One one more question. Um, As we have been blessed by the likes of Neil Lozano's uh, Unbound and Bob Shoots Be Healed, both of which communicate, uh, if you will, a truth of battling the enemy and seeking God's grace is really what it's all about, and through him battling the enemy. As lay people, how might we understand that distinct from full-blown exorcism? It first talks about the ordinary versus the extraordinary activity of, of demons. The extraordinary is the kind of the, the thing that involves exorcism and that kind of stuff um, that Hollywood has made so much of, the infestation of buildings and objects and mm-hmm. uh, oppression, and there are plenty of folks who are having to deal with those kind of things. We have to keep in mind, though, that the ordinary activity of the demon, as the church calls it, is uh, is temptation. And mm-hmm. um, he, for most of us, he doesn't have to do that kind of you know wild stuff. He's just like, oh my goodness, get your attention. He's much more subtle. It's mm-hmm. a strategy of, of subtlety to temptate, to give temptation. To he provokes, he deceives, he puts in doubt. Uh, he uh, he entices. Uh, there's a whole bunch about that in the manual that I wrote. But that we have to learn to recognize the temptations. That's where all of us are going to be fighting the battle every day. And then that God has, through the church, given us 
weapons of our warfare and and armor and so to realize the things we've heard about all our lives have this aspect that they are the way we're supposed to fight the battle through prayer through scripture through the sacraments through sacramentals so all the kinds of things we hear about they are weapons of our warfare mm-hmm. and then developing the virtues the virtues are our armor um it's just, I think it's a message I want every person to hear, yes. you know, lay person, priests, and others, that God has not left us at the mercy of the enemy. He's, uh, he's, he's powerful, and he wants to destroy us. He wants to take us to hell with himself because misery loves company, and he wants to hurt us because we're God's kids. But God has not left us powerless. Greater is he who is in mm-hmm. us, the scripture says, than he who is in the world. And so part of what I want to do, that's why it's a manual for warfare, mm-hmm. is to encourage people Take, you know, wake up at the, the, the wars going on. First of all, identify your enemy, know what his strategies are and temptation and other things, and then take hold of the weapons of our warfare that St. Paul talks about that he's given us and put on the armor because in him we are victorious. And through the saints who are our comrades in battle, Our Lady especially, who terrifies the demons, um, he's given us everything we need to win. That's amazing, and I'm so grateful for you being with us, uh, Paul. Folks, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and so blessed in this short time that we've had with uh, Dr. Paul Thigpen, sharing with us some of his insights from a number of books uh, that really seek to understand the glory of God. Let's put it that way, the glory of God alive in man, and the battle that we do face. There's a battle. We're on this earth for a battle for a short period of time, and God wants to fortify us to live it fully, that we will live with him forever. So as my wife said, we really encourage any of you out there to get online. You can find this on Amazon.com or anywhere, but uh, get online and check out Manual for Spiritual Warfare, written by Paul Thigpen, T-H-I-G-P-E-N. And uh, let's continue, folks, in this journey together to just be occasions of building up one another. (laughs) 